Welcome to episode number 37 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast where we're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney, and in today's episode, we're talking about minimum layer thickness requirements for combustible dust. We have back on the show for a second time, Jeremy Slonwhite, to talk through this topic with us. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the call today. Thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, enjoy, been enjoying the podcast, and uh, again, happy to have to be a part and uh, join you again. Awesome. So we had Jeremy on in way back in episode number four of the podcast, talking about the Nova Scotia Dust Collector Safety Program. And that was actually a really watched and a really listened to video um, or audio. Uh, and we've had a lot of great feedback on that, specifically with uh, these kind of smaller facilities and dust collection and safe ways to do it. So I really appreciate Jeremy coming back on today to talk about today's topic, which is minimum layer thickness. And the kind of genesis of this was um, Jeremy is explosion safety engineering consultant with Remby. And he's based out of the eastern coast of Canada here, here in Halifax, where I'm based out of. So we get together every once in a while and talk about combustible dust. And in one of these discussions, I mentioned how difficult it is when I'm doing presentations or when we're on the podcast and I and we talk about minimum layer thickness and how little amounts. And if I'm giving a presentation, I might walk across the stage and say, if you can see my footprints in the dust at your facility, that's enough to to blow up the whole thing. And it's hard for people to really realize that. So I want to get on the get Jeremy on the podcast because he mentioned, well, it really depends on what dust you're handling as well, because paper dust maybe won't be the same as coal dust, won't be the same as grain dust. And that was a good point that he made. And so that was really the genesis of this minimum layer thickness is to talk through it and where this topic came from. So I think the audience is going to get a ton of useful information and I'm looking forward to going through it. So if you want Jeremy's background, we talked about that a bit in the previous podcast episode number four, which I encourage you to go through go to and just in terms of getting this this topic started jeremy where does the the minimum layer thickness requirement come from at least in in north america for combustible dust well it's largely based on of course what north america follow with the nfpa standards and nfpa 654 specifically in chapter six point uh, chapter six section 6.1 is the facility and systems design and hazard assessment uh, section, and it gives you some methods on calculating, determining the the amount of dust, which then, in an accumulation, can create a a hazard to either flash fire or full deflagration that could uh, create an explosion within in a facility, and it's based on some certain factors and and assuming properties, which uh, have to be should be you know, re- regarded and considered that it's not uh, always apples to apples depending on the dust is exactly as you mentioned. Sure. That's kind of where the genesis of this topic came from. So there is an equation in that section. It's got a, you know, variables to it, but it's really easy just to work this out in your head. So we'll go through a bit of an example. If you just had a a five meter by five meter by five meter room, that'd be 125 cubic meters. The minimum explosible concentration of a lot of dust is around 50 grams per meter cubed. So in that room, you'd only need 120 or 130 kilograms of that dust, which maybe that sounds like a lot. Maybe it sounds like a little. The point is the, the bulk density is quite high. So if it's anywhere around 1,000 kilograms from your cubed or 1,500, which is kind of the range of a lot of dust, if you just divide that amount, 125 kilograms by 1,000, by that square area, you're going to get a, a thickness that's around 2 millimeters. So just say again, 2 millimeters of dust lying on the ground will give you 120 kilograms, which is enough to to blow up that entire room and destroy the entire room 
because it's above the minimum exposable concentration. Jeremy has some videos actually showed on on YouTube, and we'll have links to these. I'm just doing some small scale testing in things like I, I think is it a coffee can, Jeremy, that you're doing those videos in? Yeah, just a coffee can, and it's a six inch diameter coffee can, six inches tall. It's uh, so it's like a point one cubic foot total uh, total volume as I calculated it out by kind of the, the the math of explosive concentration. It would theoretically need about two tenths of a gram to reach minimum explosive concentration in that volume. Of course, in that, it would be very difficult to homogeneously suspend 0.2 grams of, of dust in, in that kind of uh, volume, uh, especially on an amateur basis. It's, that's why the, uh, the cyvic chamber for the, uh, the 20 liter sphere and, and uh, laboratory testing is designed as such to, to ensure it. But in, in my, uh, my, my DIY setup, it's, uh, it's not so easy, but with that being said, I did manage to still get an ignition with uh, about 0.8 grams that my micro scale could measure. So less than a gram of, uh, of cornstarch being used. And I got a, a, a quite a high energy uh, ignition. So that was quite impressive. And then I kind of weighed out the same amount and distributed it on uh, just on a, a six inch circle, drawn on a, a piece of black paper to demonstrate, to, to visualize what that amount of dust really looks like spread over that kind of that area to, to, extrapolate that in perspective of a, of a facility and realizing that it, it's not really that much it's not a, a large coverage or thickness of dust that it's it's quite a small amount in perspective yeah and well jeremy's got to take some some photographs of that and put them in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 37 of both the test and then i think he's also going to grab a, a photo of the just the the dust the minimum layer thickness and if you look at it, a ruler it's going to be a millimeter or less that's the question that I'm trying, or it's not the question, but the point that I was trying to, to make is sometimes I give these presentations and say the minimum layer thickness is two millimeters or one millimeter or one thirty seconds of an inch. Exactly. And I've heard a lot of different people, not a lot, there's a lot of different um, rules of thumb and, and assumptions for minimum layer thickness. Uh, there's some, there's some that are stated in the uh, 664 for the wood processing standard and 6, 654, the, the general combustible dust standard. I've heard anywhere between the 16th and 32nd that you can't see the color of the surface below it. You can write your name in it. So there's a lot of different evaluative criteria on how much dust is too much dust. Uh, but it all comes, as you said, it all comes back and, and it's based on something where 654, section 61, uh, 6131 says 132nd of an inch or 0.8 millimeters is the, is the, the, the threshold criteria. And I've seen a lot of evaluations where people doing uh, assessments or DHAs have, have referenced that, which is which is great, and that gives the perspective of layer thickness. But there's there's a, an evaluative criteria there, and that's the, as you said, the bulk density, which is for this equation is based on 75 pounds per cubic foot or 1,200 kilos per cube based on coal dust, and, and that's a fairly dense dust, and uh, it, it's not necessarily correlative to the same thickness, the same volume or, or mass of fuel for all other materials. Yeah, certainly. So there's a really important thing here. And we'll, I want to, before we get into that, I just want to summarize what we kind of just went through. Um, the section 6.1 of NFPA 654 has the criteria for minimum layer thickness. And then some of the other NFPA standards may reference industry specific kind of guidelines or rules of the thumb. And the, the question that, that I get is, is that little amount of dust, millimeters or even grams really explosible? And the point is, if you look at it from just the how much dust you need in a room, the weight, divided by the bulk density, you'll get 
that one millimeter or, or sub millimeter. Um, and then in Jeremy's examples, it, in his in his coffee can, it's literally grams or or less than a gram that you're adding to get those sorts of So yes, it can explode. Then you have these rules of thumb. Can you see a business card placed on the surface? Can you read it as dust goes over top of it? Can you see the color of the surface? Um, can you see footsteps in it? Those are all sorts of rules of thumb. And that's all on on the one side. Then on the other side, and what Jeremy's kind of leading into now is that it is variable. So if you have a material that's lower bulk density, then you may see that the the minimum layer for having a full explosion may be quite a bit thicker than the millimeter scale or sub-millimeter scale. Uh, so Jeremy, maybe maybe go into that. What kind of materials would we be talking about that would have this uh, this low bulk density and maybe a, a higher, a larger minimum layer? Yeah, so uh, some organic, specifically organic or like fibrous substances. One specific example I've had some direct experience with is is uh, fine fine paper dust, particularly kind of tissue manufacturing level dust. It's very light, very fluffy, and it it accumulates, but it's got a kind of a a high thickness, a high kind of a bulk to it. It is the nature of, of the material itself. So it, it layers quickly, but it has a very low mass to the tune of any as low as you know, six or seven pounds per cubic foot compared to the 75 that the 654 equation references for the layer thickness. So you're looking at it to almost a 10 times factor. So where it, uh, it, it allows or it, it sets an upper threshold of 0.8 millimeters as the, uh, the, the, the layer thickness for hazard criteria that would be translated as a 10 times factor to you know equivalent eight millimeters versus 0.8, which is a, a substantial significance. Um, and by this, I don't want to say that it's, it's okay that a lighter bulk density dust, you can let it accumulate more because there is certainly hazards associated with it. And it, and it should be taken, you know, with the, you know, seriousness, seriousness and respect that, that any dust layers can, can generate hazards. But with that being said, when evaluating uh, and using the layer thickness to to understand what the hazards are, it uh, it definitely should be treated with the properties and the actual the actual data that that it is, and not necessarily just you know empirically for what the the formulas say. Yeah, you're going to end up. So this is on the other side. So will it explode? Um, yes, for some dust, that little amount will explode. Uh, and then on the other side, the bulk density of some materials, like paper dust, might be a factor of ten lower. And if you apply the same thickness criteria, then you may be conservative by a factor of 10. So instead of a 32nd or 16th of an inch, you may be looking at um, quarter of an inch kind of allowable thickness. Uh, I think what you're saying is some if you're doing a dust hazard analysis or if you're just doing a, a hazard analysis in a facility and you just use the bulk density of, of coal, which is kind of the standard that's given, you may be over conservative by quite a high amount for meeting the minimum explosive concentration throughout the facility. There's flash fire considerations around specific pieces of equipment and, and that sort of thing. But um, I think that's the the kind of point is that if you just use this this density throughout, then you you're you're maybe overestimating or underestimating what kind of thicknesses you can have. Does that does that make sense? Indeed. And it's not to say that over conservativity when it comes to these hazards is it's not uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's always better to be more conservative. But at the same time, it's good to appreciate and understand the hazards with with real data and, and for what they are, as opposed to you know being uh, overcompensating to an extent where it becomes almost debilitating or or uh, more of a deterrent or a detriment to other other things. And with that being said, this uh, this this layer depth criterion 
to be noted is it's based on also uh, like a five percent of the total footprint area up to a maximum of a thousand square feet according to the nfpa section and and what that's saying is that if you have a layer thickness across the entire surface of that then you're definitely at the concentration where in most production facilities there's going to be pockets there's going to be higher concentration areas around fugitive dust sources so that takes into account all the surfaces the the ducts the pipes the rafters the beams the uh, cable trays that could accumulate dust dust layers and if that all adds up to five percent of the the equivalent floor space area of the op- of the open space then that's a threshold factor for adequate concentration now with that with that there is other methods in the, the 64 that allow you to perform more detailed or more evaluative calculations which are mass methods that actually determine the mass of of the fuel based on the volume of the facility and the concentration of the dust and there's there's some neat equations that also look at the, a flash fire hazard as well as a deflagration hazard so you can kind of understand what the that the hazard level of those different thicknesses mean right so maybe we'll go into that a, a bit so what are if you're interested in kind of quantifying the amount of dust are there some techniques that you can use um, with this kind of mass-based method to determine Maybe things like housekeeping regiments or host, uh, timing of, of doing cleanup and that sort of stuff? Indeed. And that's really what it all comes down to in that uh, the ultimate goal is to manage combustible dust so that it doesn't accumulate to a hazardous situation. And in order to do that, housekeeping is going to be paramount. You can, with dust collection systems, dust extraction, and it's uh, and other other methods, it's all a matter of managing the interval between cleanups. There's always going to be a certain level of cleanup required. And it's scheduling and understanding those intervals is is critical in managing the hazard. So knowing what the, the threshold levels are and keeping under them, below them, helps to set those cleaning schedules. So one uh, example I have with that is a facility that kind of went a little bit above and beyond the normal thickness criteria. And like as NFPA and most of its uh, scripting allows and permits based on a documented engineered program and, and protocol to de- develop either a, a method or a, an approach that is kind of as good or better than the prescriptive path. So what they did is they understood that the, they calculated the volume of their, their areas, the, the explosive concentration of their dust. And what they did is developed a program uh, procedure that uh, in certain intervals throughout the year, they would actually shut down all the, all the equipment, use intrinsically safe lighting and, uh, and safety precautions and, and do uh, thermal scans to look for hot spots to make sure there's no ignition sources. And they would manually clean and using like uh, handheld uh, little vacuum cleaners and get whatever they could on the floor, clean, collect, and weigh all the dust that they could gather and, and, and accumulate in those areas and correlate that to the volume of the space and relate that to the minimum concentration. And they used a 10 times safety factor. So if they were within even a 10 times safety factor, a 10% of the minimum explosive concentration, that was considered for them too much. So then that means they had to increase their cleaning interval between the next their next scheduled interval and then weigh it again to make sure they're within that. And then if they were within it, then they could go kind of a, an interval or two without necessarily weighing, just doing normal cleaning procedures. But then they were required to way again on the next interval to to make sure they're well within those factors and they would uh, gather all that data and plot it and and uh, use it to develop their their cleaning programs throughout the entire facility which i thought was uh was very diligent and very clever 
Yeah, I think that's a really innovative approach, actually. And that's one of the reasons why I thought this episode, this would be really helpful for the listeners. Uh, I do want to, so one note, the cheapest way is probably going to be to prevent the dust from getting into your facility. <laughs> but we do accept that that there is some level of fugitive dust that in most facilities gets generated. Uh, and then then you need to figure out how do you manage it, how do you clean it. And so this this approach where you shut down the whole facility, clean it in safe conditions is, is a good one, but it's probably pretty time intensive and cost intensive. The question is, how frequently do you need to do this? Is it is it quarterly? Is it monthly? Is it biweekly? Is it daily? It really depends on how much dust you're creating. But if you actually weigh the amount that you've, you've done and do the calculation, or weigh the amount that you've generated, do the calculation, then you can say, yeah, if you're within your threshold, then we need to move to quarterly or we need to, well, you're probably going to be at quarterly regardless, but we can move to maybe month or we need to move to monthly or maybe you can back off. So I, I kind of, I really like this method. What kind of industries have you seen this being used in? Is it these ones with higher layer thicknesses or have you, have you kind of seen in other ones as well? Yeah, it was more in the, it, it was specifically in, in a, uh, a paper industry that, uh, that were, were on observation from other, uh, other, other safety officers or, uh, um, auditors looked at some of the layers and they were thick layers compared to the, either the one sixteenth, one eighth, one thirty second of an inch. And they were initially flagged. So the facility took it upon themselves to, to evaluate deeper and, and understand the, the, the physics and, and the math behind where these, what these layers mean and the actual hazard identification and, uh, and create this program and demonstrate that they are maintaining their safety levels uh, with, within an acceptable region region and uh, doing it safely and, and documented and with a, an established procedure. So that's uh Something I thought was was again really clever that um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of officers and safety inspectors and and whatnot um, definitely have to be uh, have a lot of knowledge of a little bit of knowledge about a lot of different things so they don't necessarily know the nuances of all these little details and and uh, it's, uh, it's it's not to their to their blame it's they have a, a, a big daunting task to do so where they can uh, be demonstrated and someone to take the upper uh, the upper edge and upon themselves to to demonstrate that they're going above and beyond. I think that helps everyone. Yeah. And you could even potentially use this as a, once you have it systematized and you know what your routines are, then you can figure out what the cost of, of generating this future dust is. And you may see that it might be cheaper to put in a new, uh, more efficient dust collection system or have somebody come out and look at your system. So you're not generating the dust, but at least it gives you a way to measure and quantify when you need to be cleaning up to keep it safe, but also the cost associated with that. Well, it's funny you say that because they did that exact that exact uh, exercise where they were having some issues maintaining, so that they had to increase their intervals in a certain area because of the the process. And uh, they actually were kind of in some previous discussions evaluating the the cost of downtime because yeah, it takes them hold down for uh, uh, quite a few hours to be able to do this, and the cost of labor and loss of production, and evaluating what the payback was on a on an upgraded uh, dust extraction system to to maintain. To maintain the threshold and limit the increase their uh, their cleaning intervals. Yeah, anything we can get into the community that allows us to to measure our, our progress towards safety, and then also use it to to quantify a bit more when when you might need to do a system upgrade or when you might need to improve things overall. I think is is of immense value. So I I really like this process. I think it's it's probably important to note that this this minimum layer thickness 
criteria is, is really about creating exposable cloud throughout that whole area that you're talking about. Are there any other issues to consider in relation to, to dust accumulation that I'm thinking like even flash fire or fire hazards or anything else that you've seen that, that we really should be talking about in the same conversation? Yeah, of course. Um, and I'll say first, so when you're looking at a, a, a dust layer accumulation, if you have an accumulation of one specific area in a relatively large facility and you're evaluating the thickness of that that dust accumulation over the volume of that, that facility, in order to develop, as kind of was saying in the coffee can experiment, you have to develop a, a suspended homogeneous mi- mixture of at least of the minimum concentration in order to s- sustain ignition. Just like a, a lower explosive limit of gas, the minimum explosive concentration of dust has to be met or exceeded to to deflagrate. Uh, with that, it, the the uh, in a lot of cases, the probability or the, the the potential to simultaneously suspend a layer of dust amongst homogeneously in the, amongst the entire facility from kind of a ground level is is quite difficult to do. Relatively, that's where a lot of the the layer accumulations that end up being the most hazardous are the elevated ones on pipes, rafters, structures that. In the event of an initial disruption or pressure wave or 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 some sort of vibration gets disrupted, dislodged, and then effectively rains down, then that cloud is almost uh, inherently created. But to lift a dust cloud is is a lot more unforeseeable. So it, it kind of doing performing a hazard analysis, it's worth considering, you know, the whole fa- all f- five factors of the explosion pentagram pentagon and uh, in that. Can you create a the mixing element or the, the suspended homogeneous mixture? And that's again, as you say, that's to develop the conditions for full, you know, deflagration that could create an explosion. But again, that's not to say that there isn't a hazard that even a a, a small thickness of a low bulk density dust is certainly a fire hazard that can be easily disrupted by you know something a broom or dropping something on the floor that would create an air current lift that dust up you could have a very significant flash fire or localized deflagration that could be quite dangerous that should be taken you know with the, the respect and the concern that it is as well yeah i'd add a couple of things you could have a, a layer over top of a motor that causes a fire because it overheats the the motor or a, over a bearing or any type of mechanically moving so overhead rafters are very dangerous like dust overhead is where we've seen a lot of cases of very high loss incidents. But dust on the ground is very dangerous too. <laughs> I want to make sure the, the listeners, and a good case of this is, is coal mine explosion. The dust is just sitting there um, in the entire coal mine gallery, and the explosion can actually pick it up. Um, so we've had this in, in Nova Scotia, where at the West Ray mine, the explosion propagated three kilometers from the ignition point. So underneath the highway, 102 going out to Cape Breton, the explosion exited the entrance of the mine, which was three kilometers away. So that explosion could propagate and pick the dust up off the ground. And the reason that doesn't happen like that in buildings is because the building usually fails first. <laughs> but if you have a building that fails and you have the dust is on the floor of the the, the next level up in the building, that's just going to be dust raining down too. So that's imperial sugar. That's what happens. The floor, the three or six inch concrete floors cracked and the dust fell down through so dust on the ground is is also a a a danger as well so i just wanted to kind of add that point to make sure the the listeners i'm sure many are quite familiar but just to highlight that that's a an issue as well indeed and and your surrounding areas and looking at if you have 
an ignition, a flash fire, or localized deflagration, that's, that's always going to create a thermal current, a little pressure wave associated with it, that as long as there's more fuel in its surroundings that has potential to be suspended and disrupted, then it's just going to create that chain snowball reaction and keep keep going and, and start you know, chasing the fuel and the fueling itself and, until there's no more fuel or, or something fails or both. Yeah, I agree. So this has been a, a really interesting conversation on minimum layer thickness. We went through a couple different um, areas. We talked about the the general guidelines and criteria that are provided, which is part of NFPA 654 and Section 6.1. Talked about some rules of thumb that you generally hear in industry, and there are some industry-specific guidelines in some of the other NFPA documents. We talked about the role of bulk density. So generally, most materials that we're handling have this kind of bulk density between 1,000 and 1,500 kilograms per meter cubed. I'm sure Jeremy can tell you what that is in pounds per square inch, but some don't. So not blanketly applying it across all the the guidelines, across all materials, you might end up with a, a really conservative estimate. And one example, this is paper where the bulk density is, is about 10 times lower. It's around 150 kilograms per meter cube. So you're going to end up with, if you actually do the math on the equations, you'll end up with 10 times higher layer thickness. We talked about quantitative methods to measure how much dust you're generating. Actually, you know, a, a really interesting way of doing this is just when you clean up, how much dust do you clean up? And then measure that from the last time you cleaned up to, to clean facility. And you can get that, you can use that to get an idea of how much dust you're accumulating with time and when that's getting to hazardous levels. And as Jeremy mentioned, you can use that to, to maybe change your, your cleaning schedule or at least get an idea of how safe your existing schedule is. Um, and maybe even to come up with some kind of cost benefit analysis of replacing equipment to, to reduce the amount of fugitive dust load. Then we, we close out with just some other topics, things like overhead dust, things like localized flash fire hazards. If you have dust over equipment, it can cause overheating. If you have dust on equipment that people are you know, banging with hammers and, and that sort of stuff, that can get lofted in the air. Just some other issues around you know, minimum layer thickness. So I hope this has been a, an interesting episode for the, the listeners. I feel like we'll probably get some, some interesting feedback in this. And you can leave that in the, the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 37 for this episode. And I just want to kind of end on just saying thank you to Jeremy for coming and sharing his his knowledge in this area again on the podcast. So, Jeremy, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And I thought this was a kind of a great play on some of the uh, you know the DHA topics that you've uh, touched on in the past, and some of the things that should definitely be considered when performing these type of assessments. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, and I'm excited to get you on the the show again to talk about the, the kind of next topic in the the land of dust hazard analysis. I'm sure we'll come up with something soon enough. So you've been listening to Chris Cloney, myself, and Jeremy Slonwhite from um, Remy Inc., based out of the East Coast of Canada here. And we're talking about minimum layer thickness requirements for combustible dust. If you have any comments, you can leave them in the show notes at dustsafetyscience.com slash 37. If you want to connect with Jeremy or any of the Remy team, we'll have his contact information in the show notes there, so you can get that. If you have any questions about this episode, again, you can leave them in the show notes. You can go to dustsafetyscience.com slash ask. ASK, ask them there and we'll we'll bring on a subject matter expert to go through them. And as always, I just want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. And I'd appreciate the work that, that each of you are doing out there in the world, uh, making industries handling combustible dust safer every day. Mm-hmm.